Good morning again. Uh, you know, <clears throat> sorry, every time I watch that video, man, I like get all teary-eyed and choked up. <clears throat> but I just want to thank you guys um, for making an impact. You know, God is using Cornerstone. God is using you as his sons and daughters, as his church, to make an impact in this orphan crisis. You know, the, the people who sponsor those kids, the people who have adopted, the people who foster, who foster you know, thank you. Seriously, from the bottom of my heart, just want to extend that to you. Um, you know, in, in honor of it being National Adoption Month and yesterday, the 21st, being National Adoption Day, I thought that I would talk about adoption. But before you check out on me, please understand the goal of today is not to try to convince you to run out and to sign up to either foster or adopt a child. That's not the goal for today. Rather, the goal, the prayer, the hope for today is that we would discover the overwhelming privilege it is of actually being adopted into God's family. And then we're going to look at what we should do in light of those truths, how we should live in light of being his adopted children. So we're going to start by first defining that term adoption. I think a biblical definition of adoption can be this. It's an outpouring of grace and love on an individual in order to include them into a family that they weren't born into. That's really what adoption is. It's this overflow of grace and love on an individual in order to bring that person into a family that they weren't naturally born into. You know, adoption, both physical and spiritual, is a beautiful thing. When somebody's physically adopted, they are brought into a family and they are given a new life. They're given new privileges, they're given new opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have. And when I think of of physical adoption, I'm reminded of that story that Pastor Edward and Barbara shared about their adopted daughter, Malenga, who was their youngest child. Maybe you remember that story, but um, Malenga was, was literally left in the African bush to die when she was born. Her birth mother gave birth to her and left her in the African bush to die. And by God's grace, somebody heard her cry, and when they found her, she was covered in ants. And they rushed her to the hospital there in Kitwe, and then they ended up calling Barbara because of the connection they had with the Sarah Rose Foundation. And as soon as Barbara went in there, she saw the baby, she said, that's my child, that's mine. And from that day forward, she adopted Malinga into her family. She gave Malinga a new life with new opportunities and new privileges that she otherwise wouldn't have had. And I think about Scripture, and I'm reminded of Moses being adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. When Pharaoh's daughter adopted Moses, she gave him a life that he otherwise wouldn't have. She gave him privileges and opportunities that he otherwise wouldn't have. The same as goes you know, with Esther and Mordecai, and there are other examples too. And, and, and it's true for us as spiritually adopted children. We are given, when we are adopted into the family of God, we are given a new life, we are given new privileges, and we are given new opportunities that we otherwise wouldn't have apart from being his children. And what makes adoption so special is that it's a choice. You know, the one doing the adopting has to make a conscious choice to bring that person, bring that individual into their family. Somebody is adopted not because of any merit on their own part. It's not because of anything good that they do. It's just simply the outworking, the overflow of love and grace on a specific person to bring them into 
of family. And I can't help but think of another family in the church, Sean and Lauren Shepherd. You know, when I think of this, this word chosen or choice, because, um, you know, Sean always wears his chosen shirts. They're, they've adopted two children. And he's actually, Sean and Lauren are in Texas right now, uh, because Sean is running, or he ran in a race yesterday called The Chosen. It's a marathon. He did the half marathon. And it's to raise awareness uh, for adoption. And, and I think of that family when I think of that word chosen, because they chose to adopt Zion. They chose to adopt Angelina. Not because Zion or Angelina offered them anything. It was simply the overflow of grace and love from Sean and Lauren to say, I choose you. I want to bring you into my family. And you know, God actually used Sean and Lauren in my life and in Katie's life in a very big way to help encourage us to make that choice to adopt. And now we have chosen Xander. And it's just this beautiful picture. You know, God chooses us. He adopts us not because of any merit on our part, not because we're good enough, not because we have something to offer. It's just simply the outworking of his grace and love and mercy in our life. And the sad reality is that adoption is needed because there's sin in the world. You know, it's sin that causes parents to divorce. It's sin that causes separation. It's sin that causes parents to die during childbirth, to die from diseases like HIV and malaria. It's sin that causes parents to split and lose custody of their children, and then those children get put into foster care. Sin is the reason there are orphans. And I'm not just talking about physical orphans, children without parents. I'm talking about the fact that sin has left all of humanity in an orphan-like state. Sin has separated us from the Father, and we, at one point, were all spiritual orphans. Prior to any of us placing our faith in Jesus, we were spiritual orphans in need of a heavenly spiritual adoption, and it's God who adopts. You know, I've spent this past week just coming through Scripture, trying to discover for myself, what is God's heart towards the fatherless. You know, I've read those passages like a father to the fatherless. We're going to look at that one. But I wanted to understand, God, what is your heart really like towards orphans? And we're just barely scratching the surface today. You can go so deep in this. So I encourage you during your study time this week, during your devotion time this week, do a study on that. Look up for yourself all of those passages that that talk about God really being a father to the fatherless and helping out the orphans and those who he refers to as the least of these, those, those, those weak ones, you know, the widows. And, and just see for yourself God's heart in that. But I want us to look at three specific passages from the Old Testament that reveal God's heart. Then I want to talk about one passage from the New Testament. So the first one is Deuteronomy ten eighteen, And it says, He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner. The next one is Psalm ten fourteen. You, speaking about God, have been the helper to the fatherless. And the last one is Psalm 68.5. This is one of my favorites. A father to the fatherless and a protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. So here's just three verses. There are plenty more in Scripture. But here's just three that reveal to us God's heart towards orphans, towards those who are fatherless. Now I want us to look at a passage from Galatians chapter 6, because it's in this passage that we see God actually taking the initiative to become a father to the fatherless. You know, God isn't just filled with some emotion towards orphans. 
He's actually so in love with them that he takes the first step and that he initiates that adoption process. So this is Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. Paul is speaking and he says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Right there, that's God taking the initiative, taking that first step in the adoption process. God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So with these truths, with, the, with these passages in mind, we're going to flip to John chapter 13 and 14, and we're going we're gonna to read that together. Um, you know, this is a passage that you typically wouldn't think about when you, when you talk about adoption. But it's in this passage that we're going to pull four truths, four privileges that we have as adoptive children. And then we're going to talk about how we should live our life in light of having these privileges. All right, so I'm going to kind of set the scene for us because we're jumping into the middle of a story here. Uh, We'll start in verse 34. But prior to that, you know, Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's in that upper room having the final Passover meal with his disciples. They get done with the meal. Jesus gets done washing the disciples' feet. Uh, then scriptures say that Satan enters the heart of Judas. Judas leaves that upper room to go do his dirty work and sell Jesus out. And now Jesus is left with the 11 disciples, the 11 followers. And he says, you guys, now is, is the time. that This is where I'm going to be glorified. I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to a place. You can't follow me there yet. Don't worry, you'll, you'll get there, but you can't follow me quite yet. And then in the midst of that, he says this, verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And then this, I'm going to kind of paraphrase some and then read some. This is where Peter steps in and says, Jesus, I'm willing to go wherever you go. I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus says, no, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows. And then we pick back up chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And verse 2 and 3, we're going to come back to this. You can highlight it, though. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip steps up and says, Lord, just show us the father. We just want to see his glory. And Jesus says, no, you you don't quite get it. See, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And then he picks back up in verse 12. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in his Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper 
to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, this is one of those passages that we could literally spend weeks talking about and never really discover everything about it. I mean, there is so much in here. So we're going to kind of just look at this from a 30,000-foot view, keeping in mind that God loves orphans, that he is a father to the fatherless, keeping in mind that he is the one that initiates the adoption process. So we're going to look at this passage from a 30,000-foot view and just pull out four privileges that we have as his adoptive children and then talk about how that should shape the way that we live our lives. So our first privilege is this. Because of Jesus, I'm an adopted child and I have a heavenly father. And this comes from chapter 14, verse 6, when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the father except through me. This isn't popular to say, But the truth is, like I said earlier, prior to coming to Jesus, we, as Ephesians 2 says, are dead in our trespasses and sins. It goes on to say that we are sons of disobedience and children of wrath. I mean, how's that for an introduction, right? I mean, that was me 10 years ago. Before I placed my faith in Jesus, I was dead, spiritually dead in my trespasses and sins. I was a son of disobedience and a child of wrath. And the divine beauty of the gospel is that God doesn't take somebody who is good and makes them better through Christ. God takes somebody who is dead and makes them alive through Christ. That's the beauty of the gospel. He takes us as former sons of disobedience and children of wrath and transfers us into a different family and we become children of righteousness. It's not because we're good, it's because of Jesus. He is the way to the Father. Scripture is clear that sin separates us from the Father. And when we come to Jesus, when we come to that place where we recognize our need for a Savior, when we realize and believe that Jesus really is who he says he is, when we come with that repentant, humble heart that says, God, my sin, I realize, separates me from you. So I want to lay that down. I want to lay myself down I want to stop living for myself, Jesus. I choose to follow you. When we come to him with that kind of humble, repentant heart, we are made right with God. And then we are adopted into his family. You know, the other day I was working out and I was laying on my back and I was doing some core workout stuff. And I look through the the doorway down the hallway and I see Xander making his way towards me. And he has his fedora on, you know, and he always wears it with the brim like really low so you can barely see his eyes. And he has a bottle of milk. He's dressed in his PJs. It's still early in the morning. He has his bottle of milk and his little Buzz Lightyear stuffed animal in the other hand. And he walks into the room, into the workout room, and he just kind of stops and he stares at me. And I'm on the ground, and you know, I'm doing some stuff. I'm doing some different movements. And he just walks up to me, crawls on my chest, looks at me with like the cutest little grin, and just says, Dada! And that just melted my heart. And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? That is the kind of intimacy that we can have with the Father because of Jesus. I mean, that is, only he can do that. Only he can, only Xander could come in and interrupt my workout like, like that. You know, that is a privilege, that is a right that he has as my child. And the scriptures say that we as his children can boldly approach his throne. So I encourage you, if you're here today, if you never encountered that type of intimacy with the Father, you can cry out to him right 
where you are at. Okay, it's not about the words we speak. It's a heart issue. He examines our hearts. So when you come to him with that humble, repentant heart that recognizes your need for a Savior, that recognizes Jesus alone paid your sin debt on the cross, that three days later he rose from the grave, validating his claims to be that Savior, to be that Lord, to be that Messiah. When you come to him with that kind of heart, you are made right with God. And you say, I'm done living for myself. I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I need you. I'm choosing to let go of myself, of my sin. I'm choosing to believe on Jesus, trust in him. When you come to him, you're made right and you are adopted and you can have that type of intimacy with the Father. It's because of Jesus that we have a heavenly Father. It's because of Jesus that we are transferred from this sin-infested, dark orphanage that we live in now that is run by Satan And then we are transferred into a forever home with a heavenly father that loves us. And that leads us into our second privilege that we have as adoptive children. Because of Jesus, I'm an adopted child and I have a forever home. Now this term forever home, you know, it's a term that's big in the the foster care system. Because the goal is to have these kids find that forever home, that forever family that, that, that they can be placed in so that they would be loved for the rest of their life. You know, Joel and Suzanne, they gave Grayson that forever home. After 556 days in the foster care system, yesterday they welcomed him into that forever home. And our Father gives us a a literal, eternal, forever home. That is a beautiful privilege that we have as his children. This comes from verse 2 and 3 of chapter 14 when Jesus says, Look, I'm going back to the dwelling place of my Father, and I'm going to mark out a place for you. There are many rooms there. If it were not so, I wouldn't be telling you this. And that's Jesus speaking to the disciples. We have a forever home with a heavenly father. But until we enter into that eternal rest, until we enter into that forever home, we have to live here on earth. We have to be his lights. We have to be his representatives. We have to be that salt that he calls us to be. But the beautiful thing is that God hasn't left us while we wait. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you parentless. He gives us something. And this ties into the third privilege that we have. Because of Jesus, I'm an adopted child and I have Holy Spirit power. Now, now this is huge. And this third privilege and fourth privilege really tie hand in hand. But this comes from verse 16 and 17. When Jesus tells his disciples that the helper is coming to be with them, and not only to be with them, but to live in them. We have the Holy Spirit as children of God. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do things. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us. It's the Holy Spirit that comforts us while we wait for that forever home. It's the Holy Spirit who, Scripture says, is our advocate and our counselor. And again, this ties right into our fourth privilege that we have Because Jesus says in verse 12 that we will do greater works. Greater works than these will you do. The the only way we can do greater works is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of those greater works that we're called to do is our fourth privilege, and that's this. Because of Jesus, I'm an adopted child, and I have the ability to sacrificially love others. That might not look like a privilege to sacrificially love somebody else, but that is a divine privilege that we have as children of God. And that is a privilege that we can only carry out in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I have to be honest. Jesus says in in chapter 13, verse 34, 
to, to, he says, I'm going to give you this new commandment, to love one another as I have loved you. You know, the idea of loving somebody, um, that wasn't new. That was prescribed back in the Old Testament. What was new was that we are called to love people around us sacrificially, the way that Jesus loved us, with a love that says, I'm willing to lay down my life for you if that's what it takes. That's difficult. That's hard. But as believers, as children of God, we have the capacity, we have the ability to love others in a way that is just completely foreign to the world. And, you know, with all the ISIS stuff that has been happening, all the threats, the Paris bombing, my sin nature comes up and it says, just drop some nukes on those countries and try to, like, you know, take care of a big part of that problem. That's what my sin nature says. Jesus says, no, that's not right. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We should be defined as people who love sacrificially. And we have the ability, we have the capacity, because of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, to love people in such a way that the world says, that just does not make sense, that is so foreign, I don't get that. And that is what God calls us to do. So just, you know, a personal application that I've been trying to live out, uh, you know, this passage in my life, is to pray for those members of ISIS. And to try to love on them as hard as that is, you know, but, but fearing them, hating them, that's not going to do anything. That's just going to build all sorts of roots of bitterness and hatred in my heart that is just not right. So I've been trying to pray for them because at the end of the day, they're really just held captive by Satan. They are blinded. They are held in chains. They don't know any better. Me being mad at them or hating them or wanting to blow them up is not going to change anything. So I'm trying to spend more time on my knees before God. You know, think about Paul, that story. Man, he, he was doing something quite similar, killing Christians, and look at how God used him. Could you imagine if we just start praying, all of us, for the salvation of those people who are just stuck in sin? All right, so, sorry, rabbit trail. But the reason, you know, that we need to be extending this type of love to others is because it was first extended to us. You know, let us not forget that while we were still enemies of Jesus, while we still had our back turned towards him, while we still hated him, he died for us. And we need to be extending that type of sacrificial love to others. So to recap really quick, you know, we've covered these four privileges that we have as adoptive sons and daughters. Through Jesus, we have the intimacy of a heavenly father. We have a forever home. We have the Holy Spirit. And we have this capacity, this ability to love others sacrificially. But so What? I mean, what difference should that make in our life? What should we do now in response to understanding these privileges that we have? Well, I think what we need to do is imitate our Father. That is our application for today. And this comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So our application for today is, As a beloved child, I am to imitate my heavenly Father. That is what I think he's calling us to do. And it's, it's natural for children to imitate their parents. You know, Xander's been with us for about six months, and he just naturally imitates me and Katie. If we're cooking something, he walks up and he just pretends like he starts cooking something. You know, it's just natural for children to imitate their parents. And as his children, it should be natural for us to start imitating our Heavenly Father. But what does that look like? I mean, what does it look like to imitate God. Well, 
I think it looks like adoption. I think it looks like us loving other people in our life sacrificially to the point where we would consider them part of our family. You know, this guy might have been a distraction, but this is my friend, Mark. Question, Mark. Okay. First service, I got a little bit more laughs, but I know it's corny. But Mark here represents that spiritual orphan in your life. Because the truth is, God is not calling everybody here to sign up to foster or adopt. I get that. But we have to understand, we have to keep in mind God's heart, that he is a father to the fatherless, that he initiates that adoption process, and that we are called to imitate him. There are spiritual orphans walking around us everywhere. This mark for you could be a cashier at Walmart. It could be a next-door neighbor. It could be a family member. It could be a friend or a co-worker. It could be that kid that always seems to be at your house eating your food, who, who's friends with one of your children that you don't know where they come from. They're just there every day. That, that, that could be that person that God is calling you to invest in, to, in a sense, spiritually adopt. You know, we called this sermon Family Portraits with the idea that we would sacrificially love somebody to the point that we would consider them part of our family. That if we had a picture of them, we would put it up on our mantle. And when people came over, we'd say, this is Jimmy. You know, he's part of my family, even though he's really your next door neighbor. Or if you were to go out and actually take a family portrait of your family, you would have no problem inviting your next door neighbor or, and their kids to join and say, you know what, we love you so much that we consider you part of our family. I mean, isn't that what God did for us? He, in a sense, expanded his family portrait by adopting us. And we as his children have this beautiful privilege, this opportunity to go out and to adopt those spiritual orphans around us. And it's going to look different for everybody. You know, for some of you, maybe God's stirring in your heart uh, a desire to sponsor one of the kids. You know, we saw the video, a lot of those people, in a very real sense, are adopting the kids that they are sponsoring by giving them a new life and new privileges and new opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have. So maybe God's calling you to do that. Maybe God's calling you to actually foster or adopt a child, a physical child. And if that's you, please know that you can call the church. You can talk with me afterwards. We can set up an appointment for you to talk with a family who's gone through the foster system or who is going through the adoption process. We can tell you the highs and the lows and the pros and the cons. For some of you, God might be calling you to do that. But for others, you know, he's putting on your heart that next door neighbor. And what a beautiful opportunity to talk with them today. You can take one of those loaves of bread that Pastor Dan and, and, and some people put together yesterday. You can take that loaf of bread, go to that neighbor that maybe you've never really met before, give it to them as a gift and just say, you know what, I know I don't know you that well, but would you want to come over sometime and just have dinner? And I just want to get to know you and your family. And you can initiate just like our father did, that adoption process of bringing that family in. And please know that when I say we adopt families, I'm not saying that we can offer the things that Jesus offered. We cannot offer them salvation. We can't do that. But what we can do is love them into our family, build that relationship with them, point them to Jesus, and say, He is the way to our Heavenly Father. We say, you know what, you might not even realize it, but you're a spiritual orphan. You're living, you're living fatherless. You're living in the slums of an orphanage. Can I tell you of something better? 
You know, I, I think back on my life, and, and 10 years ago, there, there was a specific family that God used by God's grace, I'm now married into that family, but they, in a, in a very real sense, adopted, spiritually adopted me. Uh, you know, it, it was the hug from, from one of those guys that, that really changed my perspective on Christianity. Just a simple hug. Who is it that, that you can hug, that you can reach out to, that, that you can adopt? You know, I think of Jen Myers, who was out, her, out here earlier. She also helps out with the youth group on Wednesday nights, and so many of the kids call her Mama Jen. Because she is a mom to so many of them. And she is that spiritual parent that they don't have at, at, at their house. Maybe that's you. Maybe you can become that spiritual parent to somebody. Again, I don't know what it's going to look like for you, but I really believe God is calling us to exercise these privileges that we have as his sons and daughters to bring those people into our family, those spiritual orphans, point them to Jesus and say, there is something so much better than what you were living for. Let me introduce you to my heavenly father. So as his children, you know, let's really make a difference by imitating our father and adopting some orphans. Again, both physical and spiritual. You all should have a little mini mark in your, uh, in your bulletin there. If you guys can pull that out, it looks like this. You know, and after the first service, when I got done, there was a gentleman that came up to me and he said, Josh, you know, after your sermon, I just had to write this down because I was just thinking about this. And, you know, this right here, the, the goal is for every person to write down the name of that person that God is calling you to, in a sense, spiritually adopt. Some of you will be able to do that right away. Some of you might have to pray about this for a couple of days before God really reveals that to you. But, he, but this, is, this is what he wrote. He said, there will always be a million reasons to say no. There's always going to be a real million reasons to say no to that person that God is calling you to spiritually adopt. And there's only one reason to say yes, and that's Jesus. You, know, the, you, you can come up with a million excuses. For the longest time, the excuse was for me, you know, I, I had felt God calling us to, to physically adopt a child for, for a while. But one of the excuses that I came up with time and time again was, it just costs too much. And you know, Sean being the loving friend that he is, said, stop it. God will take care of it. You know, like he just, he just, he had been through that. He was able to kind of walk me through that. There are a million excuses that we can come up with. But there, there, there's one reason to say yes, and that is Jesus. That is, as his sons and daughters, we need to be pointing people back to Jesus, saying, look, we have something so much greater to live for. So would you guys join me in prayer now? God, we are so thankful that you are a good, good father, just like what we were singing about earlier. Jesus, we thank you for making a way to the Father. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the forgiveness that you offer through Christ. And God, I pray that if there is somebody here today who has never experienced a forgiveness of sin, who has never experienced the intimacy of knowing you as Father, I pray, God, that Holy Spirit, right now, you would be at work in their hearts, convicting them of their sin, that, that, that they would just come before you with that humble, repentant heart, crying out to you right where they're at, Lord, that you would meet them there, that you would surround them with your grace and with your love and with your mercy, Lord, that you would welcome them in to your family as a son or a daughter. And we are just so grateful for your mercy towards us that 
Even though we had our backs turned against you, you died for us. We thank you for sacrificially loving us, for bringing us into your family. And Lord, as your children now, we want to exercise the privileges that we have as your sons and daughters. And we want to live life different in light of the fact that we can call you Father. So God, would you send us forth from here with a desire and with a passion to reach those people that we bump shoulders with every day. Those spiritual orphans who are just playing in the disgusting slums of this orphanage. God, would you help us to point them to Jesus and to show them that there is a heavenly father, that there is a forever home, that there is so much more to life than what they are living for right now. God, would you use us as your children to be that light, to be your representatives, to point people back to Jesus, because that's what it's all about. We love you, and we pray this in the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.